Jesus came to save a diverse people. And through his blood and the indwelling of the Spirit, we are now invited to live as a harmonious, unified family. This series will help you step into the life, teaching, and empowering presence of Jesus so you can follow him in your home, with your finances, and in your vocation. Well, I am uh, truly privileged and uh, honored just to be with you all. Uh, Pastor Jonah is, is very kind in, in the words that he just shared and, uh, and is one of my, my dearest friends. I know we're having a, a little bromance uh, to start the service off, but, but he really is one of my, my dear friends. He um, is uh, just, just one of those brothers who uh, you get what you see, amen, and you see what you get. A uh, big heart for Jesus, a big heart for the gospel, a big heart for this church. You know, the book of Ephesians talks about how uh, pastors are a, a gift to the church. And I just want to start off by encouraging you all with all of your pastors and leaders uh, just to continue to see them as gifts. Uh, pastoring is incredibly difficult uh, leading in a pandemic is incredibly difficult. Leading in a community that is uh, with that has racial upheaval and is at the center of things. I know you all are in New Albany, but right down the street is incredibly difficult. And your pastors and your elders have done it with such grace. And I've been deeply encouraged by your pastor and your elders and how they've waded uh, through all of those things. So uh, they see you all as gifts, and I just want to encourage you all to make sure that you see them as gifts and not to take them for granted as well. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into today's passage. Uh, Gracious Father, you truly are that. You are gracious. You are merciful, you are kind, you are, you are beautiful. And I pray, Lord, that even now you would just allow us to slow down, to take a deep breath, and to receive your word. To be reminded that we are your church indwelled with your spirit, and that at the end of the day, because we are anchored to Christ, everything is going to be okay. And I pray, Lord, for this church. I pray that you will continue to, to lead her. I pray for her leaders, Pastor Jonah, Lord, that you will allow them to continue to preach this big, beautiful gospel. And I pray that today's message will be one more brick in the spiritual house that you are building with this church. And not to un, unto us, not to unto to us, but to your name, give glory for the sake of your steadfast love. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In the matchless, wonderful, victorious name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I had the joy of eavesdropping in person um, on a conversation between uh, two really intelligent uh, spiritual leaders. One was older and the other was younger. Both were incredibly competent and the love of Jesus, it really did ooze out of them. But the older gentleman 
as it related to the conversation, uh, was a bit of an expert. It was his field. And the younger gentleman, you could tell, was trying to, to test him a little bit to let him know that he was knowledgeable as well, um, as well as maybe to challenge some of his views. It was a fascinating conversation to behold. And as the conversation went on, I noticed that the older gentleman went, uh, changed his method from just speaking and, and talking uh, uh, back and forth, making these kind of declarations to asking questions. And he started with these big questions and then very methodically, almost surgically, he got more and more narrow to finally he asked this young man a question. And I have never seen anything like this before. The young man stopped. He paused. He says, I have never thought about that before. I'll have to get back to you. And then just sat in silence for like two minutes. <laughs> it was like a, a, a Yoda experience. And the older gen- gentleman didn't gloat. He didn't brag. He just let him think about it and then switch the subject. <laughs> And when I read this passage that's in front of us today, uh, in my sanctified imagination, this is kind of what I see happening in the temple. There are these two kind of spiritual giants, so to speak. It's the religious establishment of Israel versus Jesus. And you all who have been traveling with New Albany in this sermon uh, know that, that the religious establishment has been questioning Jesus. They have been challenging him over and over again. And in today's passage, we're going to see that that Jesus is going to go from being on the defense to responding to their questions to being on the offense. And we're going to see here a, uh, dare we say, a philosophical, a a, a spiritual T-K-O. Jesus is going to stop them in their tracks, because even though these Pharisees, Sadducees, elders are are great spiritual thinkers by human standards, they are no match for Jesus. And so what we see in today's text is that Jesus is going to take a, a wise approach and he's going to ask questions himself. Questions have a way of making you think more than declarative statements. Questions are what great teachers ask to get you to reflect. And today we're going to learn as Jesus goes up against the religious powerhouse of of Israel that, that God once again is inviting us into wholehearted living by wholeheartedly trusting Jesus as Lord and receiving Um, all and inviting us to receive all that he has to offer from us. And the thing I want you to walk away with today is this, is that following Jesus equals more, not less. That following Jesus is an invitation to rest and peace and abundant life. It's an invitation to, to wholehearted living. In today's context, we see that And we want to remember that this all started with Jesus being asked the question early on in Matthew uh, chapter 21. 
As Jesus is in the temple, uh, the religious leaders ask him, by whose authority are you doing these things? By whose authority are you healing the blind and the lame? By whose authority are you teaching in this way? By whose authority do you enter into Jerusalem um, uh, with this messianic overtone on a donkey? And then after uh, they ask these questions, you know that Jesus then goes on and he tells three parables. And each of the parables are about the kingdom of God. And the last three weeks, as we've been discussing and looking at this theme of family values, we also know uh, that the Pharisees and the Sadducees are asking some questions. And these questions aren't little questions. I mean, they're, they're wise teachers, again, by human standards. And they're asking some of the deepest questions that one could ask and framing the conversation um, in a very deep way in order to uh, trip Jesus up. And so just before this passage in Matthew twenty two fifteen, 15, in essence, they asked Jesus, what is our responsibility to the government? And then right after that, they asked Jesus, uh, what happens after you die? And then the passage that you all looked at last week, they asked, what is the greatest command? Now, Jesus is going to turn the tables on them. We saw earlier on in Matthew chapter 21 that he literally comes in a temple and he flips tables. And now he's going to turn the tables on them by asking, uh, by, by asking them questions himself. In verse 42, he's going to ask what would be equivalent to a, a child Sunday school question uh, today. He says, what do you think about the Messiah whose son is he? And the text says that they replied, David. I mean, this is uh, Jewish catechism 101. Uh, everyone would have known the answer to this question. This is like asking a, a Christian, uh, who is Jesus's mother? This is like asking a Christian, how did Jesus die? We as Christians whether we're young in the faith or old, know that the answer to the question is Mary and that Jesus died on the cross. Well, Jesus here is playing chess, not checkers. He is the master philosopher, master teacher, and he starts off with that question in order to position them and get them right where he wants them to. And we see in verse 43, that he then follows this up with a, another question. How is it then that David, inspired by the Spirit, calls him Lord? And then Jesus quotes from the 110th division of Psalm. The Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Jesus then goes on in verse 45 to say, if David calls him Lord, how then can he be his son? Jesus here brings up a messianic psalm, Psalm 110, a psalm that is showing the future Messiah as both a, a priest and a king. 
And he asks and causes the Pharisees to to think about a very basic question from perhaps a, a perspective that they have not thought before. And in essence, he's asking, if King David is both king and father of the future Messiah, of the one who's going to reign on his throne, why is he calling him Lord? The fact that David calls his son Lord, in essence, means that the Messiah must be more than David's son. That the Messiah must be greater. In fact, Jesus here is arguing here in the temple that that the son of David as a title for the Messiah is an inadequate title. It's not good enough. And beloved, this has been the tension with Jesus's ministry from all along. Beloved, this is what Matthew wants us to see, that the Messiah, the one with whom the Jewish people were awaiting, is more than David's son. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, we read as Matthew introduces this book in the genealogy of Jesus, that Jesus is the son of David, the heir of Abraham. And all throughout the book of Matthew, we see this theme of the son of David. If you don't believe me, go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, you see two blind men crying out to Jesus, have mercy on us, son of David. And isn't that interesting that the blind men can see that Jesus is the son of David, the long-awaited Messiah, while the religious leaders who are physically able to see cannot. If you don't believe me, you can travel to Matthew chapter 12. And in Matthew chapter 12, around the 23rd verse, you see a a similar theme as the crowds were amazed at the healing by which Jesus was doing. And they asked a question, could this be be the Messiah, the anointed one, Christ? Travel with me three more chapters in Matthew chapter 15. We see a Canaanite woman. A Canaanite woman, a a Gentile speaking to Jesus, and she says, have mercy on me, the son of David. Matthew has been trying to get us to see since the opening prologue that, that Jesus is the son of David, but Matthew has been trying to get us to see that Jesus is more than the son of David. Just a few verses down in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew says, by quoting the book of Isaiah in verse 14, that the Messiah shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. That the Messiah isn't just uh, the Messiah, a, a, a human who is from the lineage of David, but that the Messiah is God himself. Then we see in Matthew chapter 4, as Jesus starts his earthly ministry, that Jesus goes into the wilderness. And just before he goes into the wilderness to be tempted by a Satan, we see that, that he is baptized 
by John the Baptist, and a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Yahweh, God the Father, affirms his, his sonship. The point of this passage and the thing that Jesus is trying to get these hard-hearted religious leaders to see is that the Messiah is more than David's son. The Messiah is God's son. And not only is this Messiah more than David's son, but the, the Messiah this is Jesus. That Jesus is God. So what do we do with this text? What do we do with this picture in which Jesus gives us here? As he affirms the fact that Psalm 118 is inspired by the Holy Spirit and that David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saw something that was so profound that probably he didn't even realize it, that his son would reign over him. What do we do with the fact that Jesus is both the son of man and the son of God? Well, today's sermon is quite simple. This is uh, just the way we roll in Louisville. We simply want to recognize and accept that the biggest question in life is the question in which Jesus threw out to these religious leaders. The biggest question in life is not first and foremost, how do we relate to the government? The biggest question in life isn't even necessarily what's going to happen to us individually when we die? That is a huge question. And I would argue it may be the second biggest question. The biggest question to us is not even first and foremost, what does it mean to love God and love neighbor? The biggest question that we can answer is who is Jesus? And Jesus is clearly showing us that he is the promised Messiah and that he is the son of the living God. That he is 100% man and 100% God. This may not seem like the biggest question to you today because after all, we are in the middle of a pandemic. And we have some big questions to answer, don't we? I mean, our worlds are have been turned upside down. We're sitting in a sanctuary that is one quarter full in the way that we are used to. For some of us today, the, we've got some big questions. Questions like, God, how long will I have to homeschool my kids? Like, God, how am I going to live on a reduced salary? Or Lord, how long can I live with, without a salary at all? We've got some big questions. Like, Lord, how much can I take from this spouse or this roommate as they are tapping on my last nerve? Lord, what does the future hold for us as a country with all this political unrest? And all of those questions good questions. But the question that we must wrestle with and we must answer is who is Jesus? And if we get that question right, if we answer that right, 
all the other questions snap into place. And so if you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to to hear me say that Jesus Christ is more than a great philosopher that Jesus Christ is more than a great teacher, that Jesus Christ is more than the Jewish Messiah, that Jesus Christ is fully God, that God became flesh and walked among us. And he did this because he so loved the world. He did this because he wanted to make right what we as human beings made wrong as we rebelled against him and rebelled against him. And while the questions that you may have about life at an existential level may be important and good questions, the most important question that you can answer is who is Jesus? And if you're here today and you are a Christian, I want to encourage you that this question is a question that we must keep before us and that we must remind ourselves of the answer every single day because we live in a world that is hurting. We are both sinners, sufferers, and, and saints. And this world has a way of crushing us. This world has a way of, of, of making us lose focus. And we must remember that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that Jesus Christ loves us, is for us. And that in him, all things work together for our good. That God is conforming us and shaping us into his son's image. And he is bringing everything to an expected end. And that joy is found in Christ and Christ alone. And even us as Christians, I've been so burdened and and honestly, I've been I've been a little vexed because I see many Christians losing sight on the fact that Jesus is both fully man and as one who is fully man, he is able to sympathize with us in our weakness. But he is also fully God and as fully God, he invites us to to experience him, to abide in him so that we can have a peace that passeth all understanding. But what I've noticed, even from Christians in this pandemic, is that I've noticed that we've done a spiritual moonwalk. We've, many of us, we've, we've done a, a spiritual Michael Jackson, <laughs> right? We've, we've, we've moonwalked away from God's love. And for some of us, we've begun to, uh, to see other Christians who have deconstructed their faith and, and other Christians who are finding their identity and, and trying a, a different way and taking a vacation in this pandemic from the Lord. And, and we are are starting to slowly drift from Jesus. And we're missing who he is. We're missing how amazing he is. We're missing that he invites us to come, he says. Come to me, all you who are are heavy laden, heavy burdened, I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're missing 
how beautiful he is. Isn't this a beautiful picture? Jesus goes into the temple after entering into Jerusalem, the king of the universe, the one who is holding all things together, the one who is allowing earth to spin on its invisible axis, the one who, who spoke and created every single creature, creatures that we haven't yet discovered that is in the depths of the ocean, that he enters into Jerusalem, not on a war host horse, but on a donkey. And he goes into the temple and he flips over tables because he was tired of God's people being taken advantage of by the religious leaders. And while he's in the temple, he doesn't stand with the powerful and the elite, and those who have it all together, but rather he stands with the weak, the blind, and the lame. And isn't it fascinating that though he knows everything, he humbly allows these blind religious leaders to ask him questions, and he engages with them with humility. And then he flips the table on them and he has the patience not to to whip them verbally, but to ask them questions in return, to to give them dignity that they honestly, in the way that they're treating him, don't deserve. Isn't Jesus fascinating? And this is the Jesus who invites you to come and to know him and to rest and to be with him. I love the way my grandmother used to talk about Jesus. My grandmother used to just go on these, these riffs about how amazing he was. My grandmother's name is Lily, and she used to talk about how he was the, the lily of the valley. My grandmother used to talk about how he is a bridge over troubled water. My grandmother used to talk about how he was a doctor in a sick room, a, a lawyer in a courtroom. My grandmother used to talk about how how Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, how he's a wheel in the middle of the way, how he's a bridge over troubled water. God's invitation to you, Christian, today is to wholeheartedly trust that Jesus is more than David's son, but that he is God's son and that he came down 42 generations, and he humbled himself into the womb of of Mary, and he allowed himself to be held by her, though he was holding the whole earth and world together in his hand. And he grew up, and he allowed himself to be humbled to the point of having and experiencing diarrhea. He he allowed his his siblings to to play pranks on him. He, He, though he is God, humbled himself to a carpenter's room. He, though he is God, allowed himself to to live a sinless life because he knew that the pleasures of this world would not compare to to your redemption. He allowed himself to be ridiculed, betrayed by his own disciples with a kiss, allowed his back to be torn with 39 lashes from a catanine whip. He allowed a crown of thorns to be placed upon his brow. He allowed them to, to take him up Golgotha's heel, one step at a time, mocking him, 
He allowed them to stretch him wide and hang him high and drop him low. In the scorching heat of, of midday, he allowed them to put his body in Joseph borrowed tomb, but the story didn't end there. He allowed his body to see decay for three days, but the Bible says on the third day he got up with all power in his hand and he ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand side of God where he is interceding for you and me. And today he invites you to come before his throne of grace boldly with assurance, knowing that he loves you, knowing that nothing can separate you from his love, knowing that he has secured a future for you. And he's coming back again. Jesus is more than David. And we know that he loves us and that he cares for us in the midst of a pandemic because he took on the greatest pandemic there ever was. Even though he knew no sin, he became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Trust in him. Stop doing a spiritual moonwalk. Abide in him. Hear the Father sing over you and say to you that he loves you. Pause from asking him questions and let him ask you some questions. Because he is all wise and he can put the pause in you long enough for you to hear him say, I love you. If you are not a Christian today, I urge you to turn to Jesus. He is the only sure rock. He is a firm foundation. He is the best person in the universe. He will love you when you can't love yourself. He will forgive you when you feel like you can't forgive yourself. He has come to make a way for you with the Father. And every Sunday we celebrate the love of God the Father through and demonstrated through his son Jesus Christ by taking a meal together called communion. This meal points us to God's love and it reminds us as Christians that we have union with the Father through the broken body of Jesus and his shed blood. The night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he said, this is my body broken for you. The same way he took a cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for you. Christians, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Week in and week out, we take communion to remind ourselves of the good news of Jesus. We remind ourselves that we are not under the wrath of God because Jesus took on God's wrath for us. And that no matter how bad this week was or how much we fail, that God looks at us with pleasure because we are his sons and daughters by grace through faith. And I want you to pause as we take communion 
slow down and to receive that good news. In front of you, you should have a cup. Inside the cup is a wafer, which represents the body of Jesus. I'm going to invite you to to eat it now. If I can get mine open. And you also have wine, which represents the blood of Jesus. I want you to drink it now. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.